Oh, hello. And welcome to Property Prompt. The game show slash podcast that shines a spotlight on new and existing writers via the medium of chatting, creative prompts, coffee and chaos with me, Letty Butler. And me, Stephen Meller. Or Dave, as we like to call him on this show. Here on Pompty Prompt, we don't just talk about a writer's life, the highs and lows and all the bits in between. We don't just promote our guests and their work and unearth their top writing tips. But we challenge them to write, live, in response to a series of creative prompts. Oh, what's a prompt, Dave? A prompt can be anything, from a word, sentence, a picture, anything that gets the creative juices flowing. So the first challenge is a pre-prepared prompt. Guests get one week to write a 200-word piece, which they will share on the show. Round two is a completely unseen prompt, which they'll hear for the very first time live on the show. We give them three minutes to craft a response. And last but not least comes the grand finale. Exactly the same as round two, but with only one minute to come up with the goods. Sounds fun? That's because it is. You can play along at home, and we'll tell you where and when and how during the show. Or perhaps you're just listening in for the sheer entertainment. This is also fine. This week, our guests are novelist, memoirist and mathematician David Oakley and poet, illustrator and tarot reader Jessica Sinclair. It's a cracker of a show today. We'll take you from a half-eaten tangerine to robot seduction via a basement full of cats. Meow. Quick heads up though, there might be some fruity language in this podcast. So sorry. We're not sorry. Dave. All right then, Dave, come on. Hit us with the first guest. Who have we got on? Oh, we've got... Oh. First guest? Oh, should we do ladies first or gentlemen first? Ladies. Gentle, gentlemen. Gentlemen first. Yeah. Gentlemen first, okay. Just to be a bit renegade. Ooh, I like that. Um, this gentleman just turned his phone off. Oh, for God's sake, David. <laughs> I was going to say, fantastic fellow we got on for our very first guest on our first show, but he's left his phone on, so I'm not going to do any of that now. I'm just going to go, it's David Oakley. The wonderful David Oakley. Thank you so much for joining us. So tell us a bit about David, please, Dave. I find David fascinating. Background in mathematics, background in in medicine, and then jumps the divide from science to the creative sides and writes a novel. Is a writer of many, many things. Well, yeah, that's that's what I find most impressive about David, apart from his um, culinary skills, is the way that he crosses genres. So not only does he write memoir, travelogue, a novel... He also writes monologues, short fiction, flash fiction. He has been published in Storgy, Bandit Fiction, Scribble, Making Writing Matter. And he got a distinction in his MA in creative writing from Sheffield Hallam University. I hope you're blushing, David. I am blushing because um, I feel that the the distinction was probably... um, uh, earned by what I've always done in exams and uh, in situations like that is to be, uh, use more cunning than ability in order to progress. Well, <laughs> as a as a fellow student on said MA, I'm going to heartily disagree with that. Um, I think it's all down to raw talent. <laughs> Why the jump? Why the jump across? It was the novel. Yeah. Um, uh, I've always wanted to write a novel. I mean, I've written bits and pieces throughout my life. I always wanted to write a novel. Um, uh, for lots of reasons, uh, and I wrote this novel, and and I, I looked at it. Well, I didn't. I just wrote the first half, and I looked at it, and I mean, it was truly appalling. Some, <laughs> some, some, of, some of the worst writing I've I've ever seen in my life. But are we uh, not our own harshest critics? Or uh, no, no. Quite a lot of other people agreed with oh, me. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Always, always helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Including my wife, who is my uh, strongest critic, um, most uh, supporting critic at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, and I thought, well, you know, if it's worth doing, I should really learn something about this thing. It's very arrogant, actually, to think you can sit down and write a write a book. No one would say they can sit down and write a symphony or paint a masterpiece. But you think because you've been writing all your life, you can write a a bloody good book. Yeah, well, the so answer true. Is, the answer is you can't. Um, it's the, the the process of learning is uh, is the same for all these things. You know, they, I agree. Everybody's got this book in them, and then everybody said, uh, you know, so many people you see will have started off and maybe got five pages in, and then suddenly realise how tough it is. And I think it's important that people know how tough it is, so that actually they would start to treasure the end result, not just themselves personally, if they ever get to the end. But if people can pick up a book and understand how difficult it is to get from that first line to the very last line there might be a, a greater consideration, I think, a greater respect for the for the art itself. Because I think at the moment, for me, I, I feel that, that the, the, the consideration of literature is going down because everything has become so instant. I didn't realise I was going to get so deep and meaningful at this I moment mean... in time. But, um, so I think, I think it's important, though, people understand that there is a real struggle to go from one to the other. Yes, David describes it very beautifully. I often ask myself why I write. It is quite hard to write and sometimes painful. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. Yes, I think coming into it from background of not writing is that uh, you try to get it all in. Yes, that's, that's, the that's classic the debut. Classic debut novel, try to get it all in. Mm. And, of course, what comes out is a mishmash and with very little direction. So the process of writing, the painful bit, is the process of cutting things out all the time. It's, it's a co- constantly a process of elimination, isn't yes. it? Mm. And, uh, and the things that you cut out are the things you really wanted to put in. Um, it's that old kill your darlings. Yes, mm. I mean, that's, uh, yes, that's a well-known phrase, but it's uh, about as true as they come. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, Who else um, we got? Well, mm-hmm. guest number two, by no means last. <laughs> not, uh, anyway, you know what I mean. Is Jessica Sinclair. Jess, welcome. Hello. Thank, thank you, you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> well, welcome. So Jess is a poet and she's currently working on her first collection, which I cannot wait to read, <laughs> called Love Letters to My Body, which she describes as uh, coming home to herself. Um, mm. Jess is also a, a blogger, a tarot card reader, mm. um, and she's working on a novel which combines her interests of superpowers and spirituality. Mm-hmm. And you have um, a favourite kind of research question for that novel. Yes. Which is, if you had an additional ability that would help you in everyday life, what would it be? Yes. What would yours be, Jess? So I have a few because I've, I've, this question has been something I've been asking to people for years. Um, so my first one would be to be able to regulate my body temperature so I could be like the comfortable level of warm all the time. Another one... <laughs> Because I, I get cold. I mean, it's never so occurred easily. to me, but now you said it, I want it. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> it would just be so nice to always be a comfortable temperature. And my other one would be to be able to get every last thing from a bowl or a blender because I have a big blender and I get a lot of things stuck in it and it would just be really nice and satisfying. So it's like a superpower for the minutiae of life. It's not like yeah, a, so it's I'm going to time travel. It's more like an enhanced skill rather than an additional, rather than a superpower. Um, and I like to ask this of people because it reveals like a certain part of them themselves that they otherwise might not reveal. Okay. So, so. What's been your favourite answer from people Ooh. so far? Um, one from a friend was to be able to hear any sound and like any music and be able to whistle it perfectly. 
That was a good one. Uh, Take pictures with your eyes. Oh my God, I love it. That's a good one. And then my sister's one is a great one, which is to have the exact change in your pocket when you go to pay. Yeah, that's nice. Um, Okay, you two. So... I would like to know. We've heard a little bit about um, from David about where where his writing began, and it and it, from what I understand, began with kind of memoir and recording and and the travel aspect of his life. Jess, what about you? I've been writing for like since I was a kid. Like I used to love writing poetry and short stories. Um, I've been a big daydreamer, so it's like I would live in these stories in my head. But also, um, like I remember, my mum bought I asked my mum to buy me this like Sith Lord uh, notebook that I still have of like my short stories uh, that I would write my short stories in Um, but it would just be like this constant thing of when I was a kid being like fascinated with the world and then wanting to write about it and then as a teenager it was a way to like channel my angst so I still have all my angsty teenage poems I still look at them from time to time and they're a great laugh Um, (laughs) Uh, but it's sort of been like poetry is something that's always stuck with me because I find it's I love the way that it's un, so unstructured and that if I'm feeling something, it's just a way that I can get it out and it's be, it can be something beautiful because it doesn't have to be full sentences. It can be very much focused on emotion and uh, like putting words onto things that just wouldn't be in your everyday language. Lovely. I do love that about writing. It's that kind of, and I'm not saying that the, the, these emotions that you're having are ugly or negative, but the, the way that you can, writing can transform something difficult or painful into something beautiful and yes. something that you can kind of go, well, I made, I made something good out of that bad situation, for example. Yes. Um, so we've discussed that like, writing is difficult and painful at times. I'd like to know why you do it. Mm. Question to anyone who wants it. Um, I, like, it's a need. Like, I, I'm, a few, couple of weeks ago, I hadn't been writing for a while. And, like, then I just had this urgency that I needed to write. Because mm. I feel like if I don't write, words get stuck in my brain and they get stuck in my body. And then it's, like, this buzzing that needs to come out. So wow. I really feel like it's something that, the world needs of me and I need of the world is to write and to like I get ideas and I'm like this needs to come out somehow do you get bad tempered if you don't get the chance to write um bad tempered in the sense that I turn that inwards right um because I like but yeah if I don't I've had it when I'm in my day job when I've been in a space that I really want to write and I'm like I just I know I need I want to write right now but I've got to work but like I will then pull up a word document and like spill out the words that need to come out and then get back to work but it's like I get this urgency and if it doesn't come out it's like it just plays on repeat in my head because during lockdown I I, I describe it as I've been doing a reverse Petrocelli which might mean more to David than it probably does to yourself Jess Petrocelli was this TV program years ago where the guy was building a house out in the desert and he was a lawyer and he never built the house because he was always too busy solving crimes and all the rest of it. I'm doing it the other way around. We've all been there. Well, I'm not solving any crimes. I'm not doing any writing, if you like, because I've been renovating a house. And therefore, mm. it got to a point in all of that process where I was coming towards, if you like, the last wall that I was having to paint at that particular point. And I was becoming, like, yeah, I was turning it almost inward. But I, well, I don't turn things inward. I 
turn it all outwards. You give it out to the world. That's nice, Dave. Yeah, the, the paint was going everywhere. You know, I want it to write. You know, yeah. why won't anybody let me write? You know, and and it's been like that. Certainly during lockdown, it, it's you know we filled the time with with this house renovation, and and you know to the point where now, like as you say, I describe it as a compulsion to actually pick up a, you know, and there's been a time where I've got, like, I'm now going to write, it's my time to write, sat down, picked up the pen and gone, can't write. Yes! Okay, I've got that. what I'm... do you do in those situations? Cry. Oh. Drink. Uh, right. Does either of those help? <laughs> Custard creams. Yeah. Good, good. I don't know, I tend to, like, write for a little bit and then get really, like, frustrated because I've had that where I'm like, oh, I'll come home from work and then I'll do some writing and I'll just be so tired that I'll just then, I like, my distraction techniques are YouTube. Mm-hmm. What about you, David? I wrote my novel because there was a lot of junk I wanted to spew out, really. Yes. And then after that, um, I went on writing. Um, well, the thing is, you know, being retired, people say, what do you do? And, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty pathetic to say, well, I sort of loaf around the house and do a bit of DIY. LAUGHTER um, so um, I thought, really you know, if I could say I'm a writer, that sounds quite cool, really. And it, yeah. uh, and it does actually then open out quite a nice conversation. So I said, oh, I'm a writer. And then, of course, if you say that, you've, you're have really morally obliged actually to do some writing um, you know, <laughs> to justify that uh, uh, claim. Um, but I don't have the same problems that other people have with, with writer's block. It's not my living. Uh, if, if, I, if, I, if I have writer's block, then I give it a miss for a few days, maybe read something that often um, yeah, uh, undoes the undoes the lock. Yeah. So you know, as as a writer, something that always fascinates me um, is other people's writing process. You know, do you have a routine? Do you have a specific place that you have to write? Do you? Does, is it the same every day? Uh, like ideally, I would like I most my most writing creative like first thing in the morning, like after I've had my coffee. That's like there's there's something that lifts in my brain where I'm like, I want to write. So ideally, it would be like first first thing I'd write for like an hour or two, um, on anything. Like sometimes it will be blog posts, sometimes it will be poetry, sometimes it will be something on the novel or just some random stream of consciousness. Um, but I always try and journal like every day at least like at least one a4 page if not because i'm dipping in and out of the artist's way um which the morning pages of three a4 pages is like i the... get terrible handache these days with when i have to write don't look at me like that dave <laughs> you i know. wasn't going there but i am now <laughs> <laughs> you know when you have to do the hard copy stuff i can only yeah. manage about half a page and then i'm like wow this is terrible what Let's is it what is this writer's way uh, am i being artist's really way. stupid artist's it's... way i'll let jess explain it's a it's Julia Campbell? Cameron. Cameron. Um, she created this 12-week course on that's meant to unblock your creativity and be able to uh, ensure that your whole creative self is in flow forever. And the cornerstone is the morning pages, which should be exactly when you wake up. I don't do them when I just wake up. Um, I, I need them after. Don't I tell Julia. <laughs> don't, don't let Julia listen She's to very this. strict about it. <laughs> she is very strict about it. Um, and then an artist date, which is uh, one day a week. You set aside time for yourself and it's anything. It's not meant to be something that's like you show to other people. Um, so my artist date is usually doing a puzzle. 
or uh, like, I like to embroidery. Go to, the, to the cinema, solo cinema trip. Mm. I mean, it's basically just going on a date with myself. It's not that arty, is it? But, but it's, I don't think it's no, funny because she was listening yeah. to a podcast episode with her on and she said one of her artist date is to go to the, the pet shop and like pet all the puppies. That's what she does on her artist date. Now, you see, I would do that if I didn't think I'd, I'd get banned from the pet shop <laughs> for being a spookhead. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. You already have been banned from oh, the pet shop. Dave, yeah. you said you weren't going to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's worth doing. Have you found it helpful? Well, I have like dipped in and out of it, but um, the person that I've just moved in with, she's done the whole twelve-week course, and the way she talks about it and the way she says how it's helped her is exactly what I'm looking for right now. So, um, I did quite well on it until I got to the uh, the week where they said. Um, Oh, you're not allowed to read this week. And I was like... Oh, no. I haven't got that for you. You know, life's hard enough, love. <laughs> not allowed to read. Yeah, they say take take a week off reading. Which wow. brings me very nicely on to my topic of... I've got quite a difficult question here for you. Not, and forgive me if it's too much, but... So, sorry, not sorry. But if you were only allowed to read three authors for the rest of your life... Who would they be? Bearing in mind that if the author is still living, you do get to read their future work. Oh, that's really hard. I'm down to four. Right, go on then. Go. But okay. I'm not. I, I'm not quite sure which to lose. We'll go with the four. Okay. I like the style in writing, so I would keep P.G. Woodhouse as I mean, one of my authors. It's a, it's a lovely choice. Would you say that he that he's informed your work? Yes, it has a bit. Yeah. Yes, um, I think it'd be nice if, to have something that's complicated that really stretches you as well. So I'd go for Vladimir Nabokov. Oh yeah. And the third one is I'd like. Um, I'm very fond of the sort of um, the sort of borderline between reality and um, and mystery. So I'd probably have Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Incredibly um, highbrow. I love it. Um, my fourth author would be myself because I'd like to be able to read my own works as I get older. A lot of people don't like reading their own works; they think they're bad. But um, I'd, I'd really like to be allowed to read what I've written in the past to check it over at least. I think that's a really good point. Actually, we we should probably gift that to yeah. to authors if we ask them that question in future because it yeah. is a great point. Mm. Um, my first one would definitely be Erin Morgenstein or Morgenstern. Yes. Because um, her... Is it the Night Circus? Yeah, the yeah. Night Circus and the Starless, Starless Sea. sea. Um, because actually reading... I remember the Starless Sea was what kick-started me loving reading again. Okay. Um, and her, like, the way she writes transports you somewhere magical. And I don't know what she, how she does it with words, but it just wraps you up in, like, a warm hug. So I would definitely, that's definitely one of authors. And then uh, Bernadine Ivaristo. Ivaristo, yeah. Yeah, Ivaristo, because I really, I really enjoyed Girl, Woman, Other and would like to read more of hers. Uh, I'm struggling for a third because I've tended to borrow books from friends <laughs> and just like allow their uh, tastes to guide me. Um, but I recently read uh, White Oleanders by Janet Finch, and I think I would like to read more of hers because I really enjoyed that book. Are you planners, both of you? Are you? Do you plan what you're going to write, or do you fly by the seat of your pants? I'd like to be more of a planner, but 
often it's when the inspiration hits that that's when I need to write. David? Are you talking about planning the process or planning what you actually write? Plan, plan, when, you, when you're writing the novel or whatever you're writing, whether it's a piece of flash or whatever, then do you actually plan it all out so you know at each point of the story what's oh. going to happen? Or do you, so it's a do you set off yeah. and no, just I've see got, what takes you? I've got a confession here oh. um, uh, in that um, uh, quite a lot of the stuff I write, including the flashes, I write it first and then I try and work out what it means. Um, so I'm, a, I'm, I'm not much of a planner, I'm afraid. Um, you see, that surprises me as a, as a mathematician for some reason. I, I, actually, actually, maths is not about, about doing sums. It's, 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 it's rather more creative than that. Um, yes. You know, when someone went up to Gauss, Gauss was the greatest mathematician the, the world has ever known. That's a matter of fact, not of opinion. When, <laughs> so, so, when, so when someone went up to Gauss and said that one of his students uh, was leaving uh, the course to become a poet, Gauss said, I knew he didn't have enough imagination to be a mathematician. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. How interesting. So, so it is quite creative. Um, I mean, I never got to that stage in mathematics of being creative. But what you can do is appreciate the creativity in other mathematicians, just like you can appreciate a piece of music without being able to write it yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are going to move into the prompt situation soon. Um, but I just wondered if you had any tips, mantras anything that has helped you at some stage in your writing career to date either just a tip from another writer or a quote or a technique even that that you want to share with our listeners today sometimes like just writing the shittest thing just like (laughs) taking that pressure off yourself to like make something that's perfect and great because perfectionism is like such a block of mine that um, sometimes I'll just be like, right, I'm just going to write the worst thing I've ever written. It can just, like, have permission just to be bad. And then it's often not. And the thing sometimes just, like, giving yourself permission to make mistakes can uh, lift that block slightly. So, yeah, I think sometimes just, like, keeping on going. (laughs) Yeah, keep on keeping on is pretty, pretty good advice, isn't it? Yeah, persistence uh, is the crucial thing, isn't it? I suppose there is one other thing that, that, that I was told recently, which I w- might mention, is when you send something off to be to a publisher or to a uh, magazine or something like that, and you get the response, the person who sends it off and the person who gets the response is your PA. It's not you. You should think of that. That is lovely. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's you say to yourself, to your PA who's sitting next to you, send that off and see what they think of it. And your PA comes back and he gets the reply. You, otherwise, it gets too personal and, uh, and it's discouraging because you put so much of yourself into your writing that a, a rejection that comes straight at you, you can't but take it personally. Um, yeah. So how do you, how do you navigate the, the kind of the rejection element of, of what we all do here? By not sending anything out. <laughs> it's, a, it's an incredibly honest response. <laughs> um, but it's something I'm working on. I, I will. I, it's something I want to start doing. It's sending off yeah. uh, stuff to magazines and uh, online journals and things like that. Um, because so far, I am so scared of rejection. I have not sent anything off. Yeah. So I don't think you're alone in that. Yeah. 
In fact, I know you're not. <laughs> David, what about you? Well, I, I think consider myself some, somewhat an expert in rejection now. Opposite ends of the spectrum here. I could write an awful lot about it. You know, I'm quite interested in rejection letters now. And uh, could, I think you're writing a short piece about that, actually. Well, maybe you should compile you know, them you get, a you get, you get, you get, You get everything from the, uh, it didn't make the cut, thanks, to a, a, a ream mm. of apology. Um, and saying how wonderful it really was and how spectacular your writing is. But unfortunately, you know, on this particular occasion, and please send us lots more along with the appropriate reading fees and so on. That, those tend to come from America, in my experience. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, um, uh, I go through phases like you uh, mm. uh, where I just don't send stuff off. It goes in a box. And I think, <laughs> well, well, you know, give it a go. Yeah. What yeah. about you then, Letty? Because you're having a lot, you know, I keep you're seeing success. You're doing very well success, at the moment. Success, Many congratulations. Yeah, but what you don't see is the barrage of rejections that <laughs> yeah. I, I get underneath those. I think you just have to accept that rejection is such a huge part of it and that you are, if you can make friends with it and just view it as another notch closer, you know, there's that famous thing about Stephen King having a um, a nail in his bedroom wall when he started out, and he looked forward to the rejection letters so that he he knew that when he had a hundred, he was getting close to becoming published. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and and I always try and think of that and just think, well, I don't want it to be published in the wrong place. You know, mm-hmm. if, if that magazine doesn't like my work, it's because their readers probably won't like it, and you know, that's and that's okay. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, about the whole the readership. And the link between, the, the, if you like, the middle ground, whether that's you know the publisher itself or the magazine or whatever, and the readership that they're aiming for. Yeah. Huge, huge importance. Um, Should we do some prompts? I think so. <laughs> so, for the listeners, the, the scene prompt for this week's episode was, there were 17 cats in Larry's basement. So, all three of our guests today... Well, two of our guests plus Dave um, have had a bash at this, and you were asked to write two hundred words using this as a prompt in any way you wanted to. So, what was that experience like of, of knowing that you were going to come on and read that aloud? Did it mm, up the pressure, down the pressure, make well, it a different experience? <laughs> it's kind of terrifying to think that then I've got to read this out loud to people. Oh, good. That's what we're going for, is to terrify our guests. That's great. (laughs) David? David is just staring at you this moment in time. Yeah, I mean, what I've written is relatively trivial, but it took me a long time. So that's that's terrified me in terms of the fact of what's going to happen afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that time pressure sometimes... I, I, I couldn't have got beyond the first sentence in three minutes. So, uh, well, I'm looking forward to. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the one-minute one. Minute one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I I got mine walking around um, one of the local dams with the dog. Right. What have you learned from the experience, Dave? Um, writing and walking is not easy. For me. Sometimes, if I'm out walking and I or I'm out and about and I get an idea, I leave myself a voice note. Ah. Yes, because I yeah, I find that voice notes really help. Because also, when you speak it out loud. And then it's, it's, you've captured it and you can listen back to it. But then you have the harrowing experience of listening to your own breathy, stressed voice trying to... <laughs> yeah, you should hear me walking up hills. It's not... Yes. Yeah. Right. So, who would like to go first? 
Dave, I nominate you. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> I suppose I should because, you know, everybody else is guests. So, okay. Are what's, you ready then? What's the title of your piece? There were 17 cats in Larry's basement. Isn't Ooh, that what they're meant to be the title? That's imaginative, Dave. <laughs> um, yeah, it doesn't have to be titled. I was just interested. <laughs> How many words is it, please? I think it's 201. You think or you know? I made some alterations this morning, so I think I brought it down from about 205 to 201. Mm. But I couldn't be exact, you know, because otherwise we're going to have to sit okay, here and well, count I've, them. Okay, well, I've already deducted is. five points for the fact that you don't know. Anyway, moving okay, on very well, quickly. Are you ready then? Here yes. we go. What is it this time? 17 cats? It's just that, you know, yesterday you said there was a hundredweight of beans in the basement. And the day before it was three Shetland ponies. And the day before that it was Elvis. Okay, okay, if you insist. Yes, I do believe you, Larry. 17 cats. Let's go see. The cellar door creaked as it opened, as all good cellar doors should, and the steps were steep and thin, and there was a light switch at the bottom on the right. It was claustrophobic and abrasive. The ceiling was too low, and you could see their breath in the air, in the fluorescent strip air. Larry, 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 where's the cats? No, Larry, they weren't here earlier. You've got to stop this. Please, it's putting real pressure on you and I. No, it's got nothing to do with the banging noises in the night. We both know what that is. You go back upstairs. I'll check the chains. No, Larry, she's fine where she is. We talked about this. She stays down here. She stays out of sight. And you do not remove the gag. Ever. It's her own fault. She's ours now. Dave... (laughs) I hate to say it, but that was really good. <laughs> I like it's that. It's not where I, not where I thought it was going. And and nor did it go where I thought it was going to go either. But hey ho, I've always believed that good. I don't want to say good comedy, good literature, whatever. But it has to take you on a on a right, as you say, catch the wave. Yeah. As David said, catch the wave, because to me that's very important. You, the wave will take you in a, in, in an undulating manner, so to speak. So I think it's important. So I would like to know what the banging in the night is. Is it this person that's it's chained the person in the basement? chained up, yeah, downstairs. Who is the person? I don't know, actually, because, I mean, it's only 200, 200 words. Who's the narrator? Uh, the other party to Larry. Larry's... Partner. Yeah, I'm assuming so. OK. It's interesting, isn't it, that we write these things and we don't know sometimes, mm-hmm. for sure. We think they might be such and such. Well, I suppose in my head know. I had two people, two two lovers, and they have this person downstairs chained up and Larry has a huge problem with it it's a big tick from me you'll get those five points back which does unfortunately mean you are still on zero so sorry (laughs) about that Dave but well done thank you very much um any takers ladies first okay we'll have gentlemen first last time so same (laughs) fair I am going to preface this by saying I haven't had much time this week I wrote it this morning I have not read it through uh it is not edited um, That's what we love on this show. That's how it's meant to be. And also a classic <laughs> writer's introduction. Yeah. We start with an apology. Yeah. <laughs> Always. I'd like to call it a preface rather than a, but it is more of a yeah, we'll say it's a bit more of an apology. Um, so there were seventeen cats living in Larry's basement. Larry should have known better than to open his door to any cat that walked past him. But Larry was lonely, you see. Larry couldn't help but see the mewing cat on his doorstep and offer them some milk. But once one cat caught wind of the free-flowing milk that was happening from Larry's house, they all started coming. At first he was delighted. Each one would sit atop his lap 
and purr as he stroked them, the warmth filling a void within himself that he found would eat him up on dark nights, the kind of loneliness that can only be soothed sometimes by a full bottle. But the cats were his placement holder, something to fawn over in his times of need. Soon, though, he started leaving fish outside, hoping to entice more cats inside his furrowed place. He started leaving small flakes of tuna like breadcrumbs, feeling like the witch in Hansel and Gretel, luring them to his house. But this all backfired. Soon he was inundated with cats. They would knock over pots and pans, crawling into spaces and get stuck, mewing to be rescued. And now cats overrun Larry's life. Don't leave tuna out is the moral of that story. I'm a dog man rather than a cat man, and that's what I think all cats are like. Well, <laughs> I, I actually love cats. I, I, I love cats as well. I love cats and dogs, but um, my new place that I've just moved into, there is a cat that lives there, but there is also another cat that thinks she lives in the house. And so when, you, when I'm outside, she'll try and follow me back in, and she did the other day and then knocked over a box full of stuff and... I was like, okay, you need to, you need to leave now. Yeah, I, I love that story. I love the way that it really represents the, the, the human tendency to think, oh, this one thing's good. How do I get more of it? Mm. More of it will be better. Yeah. And it's like a kind of terrible addiction to cats. <laughs> <laughs> right. On that note, Mr Oakley. I haven't got round to giving it a title. Maybe too many cats. <laughs> there were 17 cats in Larry's basement. He immediately suspected the supplier had sent too many. <laughs> Larry loved cats, but 16 was his limit. He decided to count them again. This proved tricky, because the cats kept moving around and hiding in piles of junk. Two discarded mirrors added to the difficulty, giving the impression of more cats than there really were. He herded his cats behind a barrier and put food opposite the entrance. But some particularly agile cats found alternative crossing points. His counts ranged from 13 to 21. Eventually, he settled on a statistical approach. He counted his cats twice daily and entered the results on a bar chart. Day by day, the bars grew and the mean number settled unambiguously on 17. Would you like a cat? He said to a sad old lady at the bus stop. Her face brightened. What kind? I have a selection, said Larry. Maybe a tabby? I'll bring one here tomorrow. The next day he gave the lady a cat. Tears of happiness ran down her face. However can I thank you, she said. It's I who should thank you, said Larry. Now I can get on with my life. Love it. Brilliant. Well, the mixture of the cats and the mathematics. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's perfect, isn't it? I heard someone say a couple of years ago, after something, he said, now I can get on with my life. And I've included that in several stories now. I like the idea of someone... Of being so deeply blocked. <laughs> so, not, yes. I so. love that line, 16's my limit. Yeah. Just like that we all have a cat limit yeah. in life. And, and Larry's is definitely 16. So, yeah. Who's feeling brave? Not me. <laughs> Why not? Live life on the edge. Okay. So, for the listeners at home, we are about to do 
the unseen three-minute prompt. Can we, and where, just very quickly, where are we getting today's prompts from? So today's prompts, uh, including the scene prompt, have been taken from the writer's toolbox by... Oh, this is spooky, everyone. Oh, what? Jamie Cat Cullen. <laughs> Joking. I'm not. It says here, right here on the thing. So it does. Jamie Cat Cullen. Okay, without further ado, everybody, this is your three-minute prompt. I'm going to set the timer. Are you ready? Okay, for those of you wanting to play along at home, we're about to do the three-minute prompt. So get ready, set your timer. As soon as you hear the prompt, pause the pod and scribble away for three minutes. Do not cheat. Okay, here is the prompt. I decided the only solution was to seduce him. You can use this prompt however you like. I decided the only solution was to seduce him. Off you go. Five, four, three, two, one. Pens down. <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, how stressed is everyone? <laughs> ten. It, no, I, it, it goes up to eleven, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it does. So ten, fine. I don't know how about stressed, but I'm weirded out by my brain. <laughs> good. Always a good start. Uh, anyone else weirded out? Well, I, I got about two, three lines in, and I thought this, this I know how to. Yes, I'm got. And then I got, oh no, where do I go? And how do I finish? <laughs> so yeah, I'm story a bit, of my life. Yeah, bit, um, bit breathless. I must remember to breathe during mm. these three minutes. I'm glad we're not doing a five minute. I probably would go blue and fall off the chair. So, right. <laughs> Let's hear from you, Jess. Sure. Okay. So I should I just go straight in and just go straight in? Would cool. you like to title your story or or just no? No, uh, let's just let's just go with the prompt uh, line as the title. Okay, I'm liking it. <laughs> I decided the only solution was to seduce him. I didn't know how. My only programming was to get food to and from the fridge, onto the stove, cooking, and to feed my family masters. But I'd watch Mrs. doing it. The way she could come in some days with a top showing off her flesh underneath and the acrid perfume that Mr. seemed to enjoy. But I didn't have any such flesh. My tin box was no match for her ample bosom and my only scent was the oil that would sometimes be needed to top up my meter. But I needed him to get this done. I needed him to cook the dinner. And how else do you get a man to do anything than to seduce him? Wow. Acrid acrid perfume. Superb. Love it. Acrid perfume. I love the idea of of the kind of clanking robot really (laughs) thinking, how does she do it? And she does it by coming in in a crop top and cooking something. Yeah. I I mean, it's it's so unlike your work, isn't it? It, I think I recently read um, Clara and the Sun. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that was like, really sparked something like oh android of course <laughs> i just love that like you 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 hear that prompt and you're like right r- robot seduction because yeah. <laughs> i saw as soon as i started saying about programming you're fa- you were just like what <laughs> yeah dave did a double take it's like hold on a ticket yeah. <laughs> i better just engage the brain to fifth gear yeah <laughs> which is sort of what happened and i was like okay i guess this is where we're going great love it Did anyone else got it. any robots no robots in mine, no. David? No robots. No robots. Would you like to go next? 
Yes. <laughs> at, least, at least I can get it over with. Once again with feeling. Would you like to go next? Yeah. He was very smart and impressive. It's not every day one meets a top executive that has built his own business up from nothing. He had hired me for the PR and marketing launch. Any ideas what we should call it? He asked. I thought of one, but knew it was rubbish. No job for me. The only solution was to seduce him. That might work. We stood in front of the assembled audience. What's it going to be then, he said. I cringed. Let's call it Solvent Solutions, I said. Right, just explain why you've got that look on your face, David. Well, I mean, it's a cringeworthy, really, but I think at three minutes, that's, what, that's all one can come up with. Well, considering you thought you weren't going to write one yeah. word, I think it's pretty bloody good, you know. It, it does, I do quite like... Have you noticed that a lot of companies call themselves solutions? Yes, yeah. they do. Yeah. And I just thought if you had a company that sold solvents... You would, you would have to call it Solvent Solutions. <laughs> and, I, and it, that struck me as being sort of an interesting little verbal um, yeah. joke. It's yeah. good. I, I don't... Yeah, I, I would be proud of that. <laughs> right then, Dave, I suppose we better hear yours. Thank you very much. OK. I decided the only solution to, was to seduce him. It's not much of a defence in court, but it was the only defence I had when pressed with the reason why I had committed the heinous crime. Across the courtroom, my mother wept as she heard the fateful words. My lover swore, the jury gasped, and my lawyer held his head in his hands. And how did you achieve this? asked my accuser. How indeed, I thought, and my mind drifted back to the fateful night. All too easily, I said. All too easily. See, that ended quite nicely. That was like a, like a full story. I feel like even though you've left us on a kind of a cliffhanger. Yeah, you've opened a curiosity box right at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually very clever because, but it's also, oh, it's also a bit annoying, isn't it? I want to know what, she, what he or she did. I don't. <laughs> Were you censoring yourself? No, I just was like trying to get to the end. But just, you know, robots, a courtroom and solvent solutions all from the same prompt that's what I love about prompts mm. mm-hmm. and that I think sometimes gives me that reassurance is that yes there may be only seven stories in the world but only you can write your version mm. no one else can write exactly what you would write right we're nearly there final push okay so we move in to the final prompt of the episode which is one minute And your prompt for the next minute is a half-eaten tangerine. And once again, if you're playing along at home, pause the pod, set the timer, don't cheat. Go. Hope you're all writing something suitably pithy. (laughs) Sorry. Ten seconds. Anybody um, quite pleased with what they've written? No. Anyone want to die? (laughs) (laughs) David's just gone completely silent. I am uh, uncharacteristically lost for words. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite an unusual prompt, I thought. It was an awful prompt. 
Oh, Dave. Maybe I've picked it out of context. Anyway, I want to see what you did with it. Yeah. We're going to go in reverse order. Sir Oakley, hit us with your tangerine. I feel like a half-eaten tangerine. Only the pips and dimpled peel left behind. Why did you choose a strawberry? That way you would have consumed me whole. Oh, David, I think that is fantastic. It's devastating. Absolutely superb. Well, I think you should be jolly proud of that. Yes. I really think that was brilliant. Can we just have it again? Yes, please. I feel like a half-eaten tangerine. Only the pips and dimpled peel left behind. Why didn't you choose a strawberry? That way you would have consumed me whole. I think it's brilliant. And beautifully yeah. red as well. Yes. Yes, you have got a lovely voice, David. Right, who wants to follow that? Not really. <laughs> Go on, Dave. Go on then. You All right, you ready? Buffer. A half eaten tangerine is how I seduced him. <laughs> that and the promise of the other half, if he was good. <laughs> was he good? asked the defence. Not really, I said. I wish I'd kept the tangerine now. <laughs> right. Either you've misunderstood the exercise or you're just showing off. <laughs> I think it's a combination of the two. I honestly couldn't think of anything else. Well, you know, I might try that next time I'm trying to seduce someone. Yeah. The half-eaten tangerine. I'll, I'll give you the I other one. You're better, I Other-ha. think you're better going with David's No, I, 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 I think combining the two prompts... It's a stroke of genius. Yeah, I, I agree. It's um, it's it's the it's cunning. Is it cunning? Yes, it or is, is cunning. It cheating. I, I, <laughs> I would say cheating. Right, right, Jess. All right. A half-eaten tangerine. It sits atop the counter, mouldy, sad. I look at it and feel it looking back at me, a reflection of where I'm at now. The world has taken a bite of me and left me to rot. And now I'm only a spectacle, something to stare at as I decay into nothing. Oh, <laughs> Jess. Got a little depressing there. Wow. I it must have come straight out because I, yeah. you know, it would There's take a me there. a minute to write that, actually to write that down. You yeah. know, without any thoughts. That's... That, th- I mean, that's incredibly powerful. Yes. Thank you. I love the, the fact that both of you have, have been devoured in your pieces. Or there's that element of of identifying with that tangerine. You've both gone, I feel like that tangerine. I, I do feel like that poor, poor piece of fruit. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm impressed. Oh, I've got to tell you who's won. Yes, We're yes. We're not having any we winners today. It's the first show. <laughs> <laughs> you, no one said it was a competition. Yeah, no. it's not really. No. There's only... The, the, the difference about this competition is that there's only one loser... And the loser this week is Dave <laughs> for cheating. So and also, could you tell the listeners where they could find samples of your work? Um, I only have uh, my poetry online, um, and my website is jessicapoetart.com. I only have my poetry online. Well, that's what, that's good because I would classify that last piece as poetic. Anyway, yeah, absolutely. Um, we will put all of this in the show notes as well. Yes. Um, David, where can people read more of your delicious writing? Um, well, I've got a couple of um, stories uh, on a, a website called Storgy, which is one of those portmanteau words, 
between story and orgy. Um, story, uh, I understand And if you, if you go there and put in uh, my name, it will direct you to uh, a couple of stories. Interestingly, at the bottom of these two stories, there's a huge box for comments. And both of them are currently what I've referred to as an Arctic wasteland. Um, right. OK, listeners, get on to storegy.com and go and comment on David's work. That's your that's your task for the day. Um, brilliant. Thank you both so, so much for coming and, and doing this with us. We hope you've had quite a nice time. Had a lot of fun. So thank you. A lot of fun, Letty. And uh, good luck with all the future podcasts. Right, Dave. Well, that's one in the bag. Yep. Did you like it? I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Um, I wonder if, you know, some of the more established writers that we are going to make a beeline for are going to be brave enough to rise to the Prompty Prompt Challenge. I think it's a real question. I think that, you know, I'd love to know the answer and I'd love people to I'd like people to nominate writers that they'd like to see on this show. Oh, can you imagine that? <laughs> if you have, if you are a writer and you are listening in and you would like to come and have a bash at Prompty Prompt and be a guest on the show, please get in touch with us and you can do that. You do that uh, through Twitter at Prompty Prompt. That's P-R-O-M-P-E-T-Y Prompt. P-R-O-M-P-T. That was a challenge. Well done, Dave. I'm a uh, or on Instagram, which is also Prompty Prompt. Great. And what do they do? Just send us a direct message? Just send us a message. Put on there. Just either link to us and send us an open message or send us a, a, a private message if you wish. We'll be there. We'll be waiting, rubbing our hands, and we'll be delighted to, for people to get in touch. Great. And if you have been playing along today or are going, have done it on catch-up, and you'd like to send us the fruits of your labour, i.e. the responses to today's prompts, then we could feature it in a later episode. We would love to feature them in a later episode. And again, get in touch through at Pompty Prompt on Twitter or Pompty Prompt on Instagram. And equally, if you would like to have the unseen prompts in advance for future shows, you can visit us. Exactly the same. Yeah. That's all, folks. Our thanks to David and Jess for being our guests this week and to Sheffield Hallam University providing the studio today and to peter in the engineering at cornucopia radio for recording and producing the show and to the writer's toolbox for giving us this week's prompt absolutely without whom it would be a more difficult show <laughs> uh, so this has been prompty prompt and it's goodbye now from me stephen meller and me letty butler goodbye we'll see you next time If you've been playing along at home today, we'd love to see your responses to any of the prompts. And if you're a writer and would like to be on the show, please send us an email at promptyprompt at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at promptyprompt or head to our website, which is www.promptyprompt.com. If you'd like more information on today's guests or a recap of the prompts, head to the show notes where you'll find everything you need to know. Finally, if you've enjoyed Prompty Prompt, and we really hope you have, please share the shit out of it. Tell your chums and tell your mums. And if you could give us a five-star rating so new listeners can find us more easily, that would be amazing. 